Welcome to Views from the Porch, a podcast where we explore what it looks like to survive and thrive in your young adult years. Each week, we talk about the biggest challenges facing young adults today and how to overcome them from God's Word based on our weekly experience in leading thousands of young adults at the porch. For more info on The Porch, visit theporch.live. Thank you for joining. What's up, guys? This is David. We are back with another episode of Views from the Porch. I'm joined with the one and only Joshua Timms. What's up, team? And Mrs. Elena Haas. Hey, guys. What are we talking about today? Yes, we are jumping into one of our subcategories that we call politically correct. And today, we're going to talk about the separation of church and state. Separation of church and state. Yeah, I think we've all heard that a lot. Yeah. We're just going to dive into what that means. Yep. Where the origin of it was from. So politically correct was a oldie, but a goodie. <laughs> we heard the people, a lot of people's favorite, a lot of people's lot not favorite. And, um, and so it, as always, if there's questions that come as a result of this, we want to hear from you. And um, the last one we did was on immigration and covering just some of the ways that, that our our nation is not handling that in a way that seems fully biblical at times. So what does it look like as a Christian to respond today, covering separation of church and state? I know Elena has spent really the last two weeks or three weeks preparing for this. Past uh, three minutes. Past, well, oh, wow. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. All right. Uh, let's hit cut. Let's, let's, let's cancel the recording. We'll come back to another time. David, no, you've been preparing your whole life for this podcast. Let's I, be real. I have been preparing my entire life <laughs> for this. For I, this, moment. this moment. I was We're born, born. Palms are sweaty. Knees weak. David are heavy. loves politics. There's everybody. vomit on his sweater already. <laughs> his mom's spaghetti. He's nervous. But on the, okay, let's keep going. All right. So what is the phrase separation of church and state? Do, do people use this a lot? Uh, I think we all know what it means. I don't know that yeah. I. I don't know that I hear it a lot or people talking about it a lot, but we've all for sure know that there that, that that's a thing. Separation of certain state, church in states, for sure, something a phrase that we know. And so uh, from the beginning, here's would be I think most helpful for everybody, for us and everyone listening, is uh, what does it mean? Like, let's frame up what even uh, does church and state mean as we continue this conversation. Yeah, I think if you're not a Christian, you can look at Christians trying to push their values onto politics and say, hey, that's not what America was about. America was founded on the separation of church and state. So religion and government does not get mixed together. Mm. So why are you pushing views that are yeah. based off your religion onto the government? Yeah, I think, I think that's a really fair question. As Christians, a crucial one. <clears throat> what does it look like to maintain a Christian worldview in a world that is not Christian and a nation that is not Christian? America is a lot of things, but it is not a Christian nation. I don't even know if there is such thing as a Christian nation because there isn't like a theocracy, or at least today, I, I can't think of one that would be called a, a Christian nation. So I'm sure somebody out there is now going to email us and tell us of one of them. But in terms of the uh, people of God who are Christians, that's what Christians are, they form a holy priesthood, a royal nation that um, is the people of God. So you could say the church and Christians everywhere make up the holy Christian nation that is. But America is not. There were moral Christian, moral foundation behind it, a Judeo-Christian really foundation behind it. And so why do Christians try to force their views on society and culture around us? Is, is that kind of the nature yeah. of the question? So I think we got to back up and go to what the origin of church and state even comes from. Yeah. Because I always hear people saying, to your point, like, hey, don't don't tell people how to live their life. Separation, church and state, like almost like, hey, I keep work at work. I keep church at church yeah. and, I, and I keep life at life. And the origin of that statement was not to protect the government from the church or from Christians getting in and influencing government. It was to protect the church from being influenced by the government. In other words, the origin of that statement 
was a letter. It's not in the Constitution. It's in a letter that Thomas Jefferson wrote to Danbury Baptist in, in 1802 or early 1800s. Yeah, 1802, where he basically wrote to the Danbury Baptist a response to a letter that they had written going, hey, we're worried that you guys are going to be up in our business telling us how we can do church, telling us what we should believe, telling us how we should live our life, uh, constricting our free expression of religion. And Thomas Jefferson wrote saying, hey, the church will not be at all impacted by the government. The government shall make no law respecting the very first amendment of the United States Constitution reads that the government or Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or the free exercise of religion. So the government's not going to be up in your business and you need to know there's going to be a separation as though there were a wall between the church and state. So that was written and given not to protect the government from the church getting in there and pushing its views, but to protect the church or Christians from the government getting involved and telling them how they should live their life or the views that they should have. It's really relevant to today where increasingly society's going, hey, if you are unwilling to hire someone uh, who's uh, like if, if Watermark is a church, uh, there probably is coming a day ahead where there's going to be a potential losing of the nonprofit status that uh, we have as a church. And we don't even need to get into all of that. But where basically the government says, hey, if you're unwilling to do same-sex weddings, then we're going to uh, penalize you for that. And there's going to be things that are, are going to be severe consequences. And that is the exact opposite of why Jefferson wrote what he wrote. He was writing to Danbury Baptists who were concerned, hey, if the government has power over what we can do and how we should operate and how we can ex exercise our religion, then they could come in and force us to do things that violate our conscience. And, uh, and he wrote to say, no, it, there's going to be a wall of separation. The church will be protected from anything that would inhibit it to exercise the free expression of religion. Religion without freedom cannot exist. Or in other words, let me say it this way. Like true faith, this is, this is heady, so help me unpack it. Okay. You cannot have true faith without freedom. In other words, if I was to mandate, like, mm -hmm. hey, everyone, you know, if the president yeah. of the United States said everyone has to be a yeah. Christian from now going forward, all that does is make everyone say that they're a Christian in name, but not actually Christians, because in order to have true faith, you have to have the election to participate in that faith. I have to be able to freely decide and believe in that faith. You can force me and tell me I have to believe in Santa Claus, but in, you know, by law or else you're going to be penalized. Then everyone's just going to be like, okay, I believe in Santa Claus. And I'm not equating that with any sort of faith, but I'm saying in order for someone to believe in something, you have to actually genuinely, individually, personally go, yeah. I believe that. So if you don't have freedom, you can't actually have true faith. And America in some ways coined religious freedom. It was founded on that idea that uh, there were Quakers who had left England, who had gone, I believe, to Denmark. And, uh, and then basically formed a community where they were like, we're going to come over here and establish a new society and a new culture. And we are going to mandate that not everyone has to be of the same religion, but religion will never be inhibited by the government. And so at the core of America's founding was the tolerance and allowance for different expressions of faith. In other words, people will say like, so are you saying that America just wants everyone to be Christian? Like what if, what if uh, Muslims or Hindus or Buddhists should come over here? The founding of the religious freedom in America was in, uh, at the center of that was allowing like different religions to exist and different expressions. Because if you don't have freedom, you can't have any type of faith to exist. You can't have Christian faith, Muslim faith, any type of faith. But at the center of that um, free exercise clause was the idea that man, faith has to not be inhibited by the government in any way because the minute the government begins to get involved, it becomes no longer true faith if it's forcing that mm -hmm. or it inhibits the ability for true faith to exist. So all that to say, you could like just 
you know, hit pause or, or end the conversation here. The point of the separation clause that Jefferson wrote and go back and read it like, dude, it's so just do a Google search and pull up the original letters from the Danbury Baptist between him and Jefferson and Jefferson back was saying, hey, you guys do not need to be concerned. The government is not going to be up in your business uh, impacting your ability as individuals and collectively to worship the God who's there or worship as you see fit and to exercise the free expression of the religion based on your conscience and your beliefs that were for the Danbury Baptist coming from God's word. So I don't know if that makes sense or, or if that's confusing. Help me unpack anything that would be there. I think <clears throat> as I was hearing you explain that, David, just to be as clear as I possibly can, when that the whole separation of church and state, you did say it, but it was never meant to be like, oh, this is to protect uh, the government or politics or any sort of policies uh, from being influenced by believers. Um, that wasn't, the, which it seems to be potentially what the, what maybe we hear it being used as is like, oh, we're separating. Cause two, Elena, your point, I think what you were asking is like, why are Christians kind of get involved if this is just like a Christian thing or a belief or a religious thing? And this mm -hmm. is politics. And what I just heard you say and everything you just said was that it was never meant to be like, oh, it does not mean politics could or shouldn't be influenced by people who have Christian values or really have any other religious values, but rather the opposite of the, the government, um, telling them how they can or can't worship. Is that clear? Yeah, no, exactly. Okay, great. So then the question becomes, I mean, were you going to follow up with that? Well, yeah. So then my question is inside of that, I want to know, or my first initial question is like, why do Christians get involved or advocate for policies at all? Then if we're going, it's like, should they maybe is a better way of asking that. So like, okay, cool. As we're thinking about then the separation of religion and state, and it wasn't meant to uh, guard from Christians being in politics, should Christians be advocating for certain policies? Should they care? And if so... Yeah, unpack that. Yeah, it's like, hey, um, uh, I'm a Christian, and uh, the line of thinking people will often use is like, hey, yeah, that's that's what I believe, but it's not what everyone believes. So who am I to force my Christianity on other people who don't share that, or my Christian beliefs, my Christian views as it relates to marriage, as it relates to yeah, you know, uh, society. It could uh, even be like marijuana laws or something like. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. believe that you shouldn't smoke weed, but why? Why does that not make it okay for me? Why do you want it to not be legal that I can? Yeah, just be a bunch of hall monitors telling society yeah. who doesn't believe what they believe <laughs> how they can behave, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's that's a totally fair question. Yeah, I understand that question. <laughs> yeah, fun fact. Josh was actually a hall monitor yeah. <laughs> in his school. And and even more fun fact, he was homeschooled. So think about that yeah, in yeah. the hall monitor. And we got, Thank you. Yeah, I think it's a really fair question. Here, here's how, how I would answer. Is what is the alternative for Christians mm -hmm. in a demo democratic republic where we have the privilege mm -hmm. and responsibility mm -hmm. of voting and voting for people. Am I going to vote or am I just going to throw my Christian worldview aside and not vote for people who share the same values or share the same faith and want to pass legislation that's consistent with my Christian faith? Am I just going to be like, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to just push that aside and blindly vote for the opposite because of a faulty understanding of separation of church and state. That is not at all what Jefferson was saying. Jefferson was trying to say, hey, you need to know the government is not going to rule people. God should rule the hearts of people. The government is not going to rule the hearts of people. So as Christians, hmm. you then step in and you <clears throat> seek to legislate in a free society because we don't live in a theocracy and we don't live in a dictatorship where we don't have a vote. We're given a vote. So I guess the alternatives are, hey, I can either vote for a Christian worldview or I can either vote for things that seem to align with God's word or things that don't align with God's word. God's word as Christians, we believe is not just some book that, 
you know, we have to hold to if we want to go to heaven, or even though it's not that fun, you got to do it because God wants it. We believe that it reveals the words of life that God in doing so gives instructions on how to live life, how to experience the healthiest forms of relationships, sexuality, marriage, that a society that follows and adheres to the things, the values and principles and teachings that are in there, including the gospel, which is how you can know you're going to have eternal life and spend eternity with God. But a society that's going to live the more closely aligned with God's word that it is, the more closely uh, it's going to be pursuing a life in a fruitful and healthy society. So as Christians, it's kind of like, dude, I, I believe this book is the most um, best way for a person to yeah. live, for a family to live, for society yeah. to flourish. Am I going to vote with people who seem to align with the worldview that I have inside of this book that leads to life? Or am I going to vote for people who don't share the same worldview and don't share the same values, which according to my beliefs leads to death in a society? Does that make sense? Yeah. So like we can pick one and even go further. And maybe I think the go-to one, you guys tell me if I'm wrong and there's a better example, I think is around same-sex marriage. Yeah, yeah. I would say it's that. A, it's for sure the most relevant one. Yeah. And I, I think that um, there's been a lot of ways the church has not handled that issue well and being... Um, quicker to condemn people who don't share the same Christian worldview. The biggest concern, as we've said at the porch recently, for anyone on earth is people to know Jesus, mm-hmm. not to um, be heterosexual or homosexual, that they would have holy sexuality and that they would know Jesus. We're also told that he, God designed marriage to be between a man and a woman, and he gave clear instructions in that. And so, but then people go, well, why do you care what other people who don't have Christian faith do. And I would say, I don't care as first importance in their life and I don't lose sleep over it. I, I care about them knowing Jesus mm. just about anybody knowing Jesus. But if I'm given a vote around the definition of marriage, my Christian worldview, I can't pull apart from the fact that the Bible clearly lays out, this is what marriage is. And this is what is best for society is when a man and a woman stay together for life and we can cover, you know, divorce and remarriage and all that stuff in some other podcast. But this is God's design is it's not even just between a man and a woman. It's a man and a woman for life. And that kids are not raised in single parent homes like I was, that kids are not raised um, apart from knowing their father or knowing their mother, that they're raised in a home and an environment and that society is uh, built around the institution of that family being put together. And uh, so there's a lot of reasons why I think it would be unwise to encourage <laughs> a definition of marriage and a society to embrace uh, forming relationships that are not best for, for individuals, for families, for children who don't get to be raised in a home environment uh, where there's a father and a mother there present. There's a bunch of things, even the tax code and the um, tax breaks that come with, with being a recognized marriage. There's several different implications as a Christian. I think it's incumbent on us. We're given a choice. Am I going to vote for it or for it? Vote for people who will align with what God's word says in these arenas or vote for someone who doesn't. And I don't know how else you answer that. I mean, what would you say? It's really from a Christian's perspective, the most loving thing to do by saying, hey, I am going to vote for marriage to stay between a a man and a woman, but not because I'm like, yeah, because everyone should do it. And because you're wrong if you don't, it's not out of a place of wanting to push your values on them, but more from a place of, I believe that's the most Um, loving things to do because that's what God says is the way of life. That's the way you should go. And it's going to give you um, the things that God would have for your life. And if you don't do that, it's just going to hurt you. So it's not from a place of 
being judgmental or critical or say, you have to believe me, but it's from a loving place. And I think people take it as the opposite of loving. They take it as harsh and mean, and it's not, they don't understand. And I get, I get where they're coming from. And I think that's a really good point of like, what else, what else would we do if that's what we believe? Mm -hmm. Totally. It's like, Hey, one alternative is vote for something that seems more consistent with God's word or vote against it. Yeah. Underneath the banner of separation of yeah. church and state, which was again to to support people believing in line with God's word if they really believe that. Yeah. But to be be clear though, we do have freedom of religion in America still. Totally. Isn't the first amendment? Yeah. That says we you can't you can't restrict yeah, yeah any yeah. religion. So, I think that's what can get confusing too because it's like we do have freedom of religion. But there is still, since our country, a lot of the people who founded America had Christian values. Some of the laws we still have are based off those values. And I think that can be confusing because we do have freedom of religion, yet it doesn't feel completely free from that. Yeah, I think, um, and I don't think it ever should be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't think that Jefferson's point was not, hey, we want a society free of religion. In fact, every founder said, hey, that the only way that this constitution works is for a holy religious people that John Adams said that he even said, if the Bible is law, what a utopia. This is a quote from him in February 22nd, 1756. When the Bible is law, what a utopia could be found. What a paradise this region would be that over and over the founding fathers didn't want to separate religion from uh, the actions, the behavior from society at all. They wanted to separate the government from deciding over what religion was acceptable. Mm -hmm. They knew that if, you, if you're gonna have any sort of religion a true faith that there had to be freedom in order for it to be exercised. So here, here's where as Christians, I think it's really important. You guys know what Sharia law is? It's about to be either heady and we've already <laughs> lost everybody anyways. You know what Sharia law is? I don't. So Sharia law is a, a type of uh, Islamic law, as I understand it, that has significant implications for um, the relationships in the Muslim world. Uh, as it relates to man and woman, kind of like the rights that women have or don't have in a society. And um, are you following me? Mm -hmm. So so that would be one example where you could say, well, hey, then is it okay for Muslims to vote in line with saying, I wanna pass Sharia law, which means women can't have property rights, women can't drive cars, and there's different implications that are a part of that. There are, um, it's okay to do honor killings if somebody is in a same-sex relationship, things that, that I, and let's say, let's just hypothetically assume people could possibly believe that. Are, are you saying, David, that that's okay for people to vote that way? Yes. In America, the founding of our, our nation was like, hey, we're going to have free exercise of religion. That's why as Christians, we think it's so important that you vote in line with your faith yeah. that says, no, women do have rights. They're made in the image of God. They uh, are valuable. Even if someone's in a same-sex relationship, that doesn't mean they're any less loved by God and any more someone that we should care about. And uh, we should not punish for that. We should seek to share Jesus with and bring them into our home and love and care for them. Yeah. And we should be the first to adopt people in society. And uh, if Hindus are like, yeah, hey, we should... Um, it, and I'm not saying all Hindus believe this or any Hindus who but if someone from a Hindu worldview is like, yeah, if you're an orphan, that's because of something you did in a past life. I, I need to let you be an orphan and, and suffer in that or else you're not going to learn your lesson and you're going to not come back, you know, as good as you could. You're going to even come back as worse, like a mouse in life. As, and they're going to vote in line with that. So we shouldn't care for orphans. No, as Christians, we go, absolutely, we're going to vote to care for orphans, mm -hmm. care for the least of mm -hmm. these, care for people. So that's where, um, that's the blessing and the curse of having a society that says, no, you can have free expression of religion. But as Christians, we need to make sure that we use that freedom to vote in line with God's word, 
because not everyone shares the worldview that that Christians have. Yeah, that's kind of intense, though, because then it's like the people with the most um, the religion with the most votes kind of takes over the government. Totally. That's why if America ceases to have when the church ceases, ceases to, that's why there's only one America that has ever been. And we don't need to go off about America's had its problems. It's not a perfect country. There's no perfect country, but it has been a, a beacon of light in some ways to use Ronald Reagan's quote to the world around us. There's no nation that's more generous that has given away more of its GDP still today to helping and supplementing and bringing aid into other countries. America's unique, mm-hmm. but it is also fragile. Yeah. And the minute uh, group takes over, we're, we're not that far from any nation can become Saudi Arabia, which is a theocracy run by Islamic State, or any nation can become an Islamic State if the people in power are ruled and there's no checks and balances that are there to be a part of it. Like some of the stuff about our country is just so brilliant, the way the founders made it, all these different checks and balances. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's, that's why Christianity matters. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, hey, the more, that, the more society is no longer governed by God, and they're just governed by, hey, I'm my own guy to do whatever I want. You can't hire enough police to yeah. keep that society yeah. safe. Yeah. So yeah, that's why, that's why as Christians living out our faith and voting in line with our faith matters so, so, so much. That's, mm-hmm. that's helpful. Here's what I'm, so I have a question with all of that. What you, you in a way of like even just helping me think through this. And as I'm, as I'm thinking about there, I have been inside of circles, Christian circles, where it's like, hey, there's a separation of church and state. And so I don't want to push what my Christian values are in a political way onto other people. And I think in some ways it's maybe because they haven't thought of it quite all the way clearly as, as you just explained to me, which is really helpful. And then two, potentially just a laziness or an apathy to like diving in. But what I'm here, but you just gave me a really convincing reason as to why like, hey, you should vote in line with and you should influence politics. And so my question is what relationship do you believe that all Christians should have with politics uh, and the government maybe even? Yeah. So I'll go quickly because I know we're, we're coming out of time. Yeah. I think you should pray more than you post about your president, about your senators, about your leaders. You should spend time. Um, the Bible tells us in First Timothy to be people who pray for those who are in high places so that we could live quiet and tranquil lives that we're to be people who are devoted to praying for, for those who sit in authority in our nation. Pray for their faith. Pray that God would fill seats in Congress and in Senate and, and justices with men and women who know him and walk justly and seek to care and live in light of a Christian. So I think pray, vote, get out. And you've been given the, to whom much is expected, much is, uh, to whom much is given, much is expected. And I believe it's Luke 11 says, and as Christians, you've been given the right and the opportunity to vote, to impact and to legislate, to be a part of passing legislation. Really big deal. Yeah. So get registered to vote because it's not always that easy. It is, it is relatively great. Now I'm going to get all the trolls who are like, it's really easy to, no, you have to go to the post office and it's just, which yeah, that's it's one of my easy. least favorite places to go. Yeah, well, it can sneak up on you. You can yeah. forget like, oh, I need to change that. So heads up, that's happening in like a year. So I would say pray, vote. We're not calling people to picket their neighbors who don't agree with. Mm-hmm. You should pray for your neighbors and bring them dinner and have them over for dinner if mm-hmm. they disagree with you on religion or sexuality or any of that stuff. Help them meet Jesus. We're just saying at the ballot box, if I'm put between the decision of, well, this is one vote that's more in line with God's word, or this is another vote that completely contradicts God's word, like abortion. Uh, yeah. What am I supposed to do? Yeah. You know, just say, oh yeah, that, you know, I, God's word would say that is a life, but who am I to say? That's my Christian worldview. No, th- that is what you believe as a Christian is the truth. And so uh, I would say pray, vote, and be the 
best ambassador for the cause of Christ. Love your neighbor, love people who disagree with you. Your Muslim neighbors who wanna push for Sharia law, and not every Muslim wants to push for Sharia law. I don't even know that most or, or many in our country do, but that extreme example. Dude, you should be having them over and caring for them and getting to know their names, knowing their kids' names and praying for their kids and, and bringing them um, you know, food and caring for their dog when they're out of town and doing That's whatever good. you can to love people and to care for people. So anything else, Elena? I know this stuff is your favorite topic of all yeah. time. Would hey. you put this above or below Kardashians? <laughs> David, that is so real. <laughs> I know I would put it below. I think we're all keeping up with Kim. Um, uh, that is it. Anything else you guys got? That's we will it. see you next week on another episode of Views from the Porch. We want to thank you for listening to Views from the Porch. For more information about The Porch Ministry, visit us at theporch.live or follow us on social media at The Porch. <laughs>